0: This episode is really fun. I love recording with her. She's been one of the practitioners I've been following right from the beginning of my health journey. She is the OG when it comes to nutrition and wellness, because she's been practicing and working for over 40 years now. She has, I think, 30 books, which is absolutely crazy. She's been through and lived through all the trends and the fads, and I really respect her opinion and thoughts when it comes to nutrition and health. So we were kind of all over the place with subjects today um, because she has specialized in many different things. I wanted to touch on all of the different things that she is knowledgeable knowledgeable about, including gallbladder health and detoxification, bioflow. We talk about blood type diets. P.S. I'm pretty sure she is a psychic because she knew my blood type. She knew kind of my health issues. We share very similar stories. And she also know my birth sign, me being a Virgo, I must give off like major Virgo vibes by the sounds of things. Um, we also talk about why she thinks omega-6 fats are actually beneficial and how things like hemp seed oil um, and um, I think the other one was sesame oil can be really beneficial. She gives some of her biggest takeaways after working in this space for so many years we talk about perimenopause and thyroid health and the halogen family and how they can affect iodine we talk about copper and zinc and how they can mess up your hormones and also contribute to things like PMS and perimenopausal um, histamine and allergy type issues so there's a ton of different things so this is going to be something that you're intrigued about after listening to this and you can definitely find one of her books to dive into each subject in more detail but let's get straight into the episode right now. And I hope you enjoy. Hi everyone. Welcome back today. I'm joined by a very special guest Anne Louise Gittleman who is a New York times bestselling author of over 30 different books on diet, detox environment and women's health. She holds an MS in nutrition education for Columbia university the title of Certified Nutritional Specialist from the American College of Nutrition and a PhD in Holistic Nutrition. Beloved to many, she is regarded as a nutritional visionary and health pioneer who has fiercely stood on the front lines of holistic and integrative medicine. Anne Louise has been recognized as one of the top 10 nutritionists in the country by Self Magazine and has received the American Medical Writers Association Award for Excellence and the Humanitarian Award from the Cancer Control Society. She has served as a celebrity spokesperson and formula developer for many of the leading companies in the health foods and network marketing industry. Gosh, that was a lot of information and I've been so excited <laughs> to have you on because you were one of the first people I started to um, follow in the whole wellness world. So welcome, i Louise.
1: Thank you so much, Vivian. What a pleasure to be with you today.
0: And could you start off by telling the audience a little bit how you got into the health and wellness world? Was this from your own like, health struggles?
1: Um, it's a good question. How did I begin? I probably began about 50 years ago, to be quite honest with you, because of a very sensitive skin issue. And so what I learned early on is that what I ate, what I ate affected me internally as well as externally. So I was very sensitive to very unusual foods and I learned that I had histamine intolerance way, way back then when nobody was talking about histamine. I learned that I was copper toxic way back then when nobody's talking about copper toxicity and I was very zinc deficient and progesterone deficient. So that really has fueled my whole interest. I haven't written a whole lot about beauty and skin, but I've written a great deal about weight loss and hormones and thyroid and so on and so forth. But it all began because of enlightened self-interest because of a very sensitive skin condition which I'm very very grateful for now 50 years later
0: yeah I can totally relate to that I knew you'd got into it through your skin I've heard you mention that a few times but I didn't know it was histamine related because that's exactly the same as what I've struggled with was it like an a rash or um, acne breakouts that you had
1: I would say it was like a nonspecific redness that would come out on the skin. It was almost like an inflammatory response. I learned later on that I had the the histamine gene, but back then we never did any of that kind of coding and so forth. So I paid attention. You know, I was concerned enough as a young girl, and I wanted to be a model when I was 50 years younger than, than I am now. And so I paid attention. I paid a lot of attention. And that kind of fueled my interest in figuring out if what I ate affected me externally, then there were so many other things that were going on that I couldn't even see externally. So I began a, a, a lifelong I'd say investigation of all kinds of underlying causes of disease, whether it was parasitic, whether it was environmental, whether it was estrogenetic, whether it was a lack of copper, too much copper, too much zinc, heavy metals, bacteria, mold, you name it. I always figured that if something was going on in your body, there was a way to figure it out, but you had to get to the underlying cause. The secret was finding what your own personal triggers are, and it's very different from all of us. So when it came to hormones, I decided that that was even trickier. So I did a book called Before the Change that I think we'll be discussing a little later on. And I discovered that hormone modification, hormone moderation, choosing what hormone was right was a very, very difficult thing to do unless you actually did testing and understood your copper to zinc balance. So that's been the theme of everything that I've ever
0: written. Yeah, so talk a little bit more about, um, because I know when there's times of hormonal fluctuations, whether it's during puberty and premenstrually, going into menopause that is a risk to become more allergenic and people start to develop like crazy allergies and hay fever out of the blue because of that histamine connection so could you talk a little bit how that low progesterone that you had back in the day was struggling uh, was contributing to the histamine reactions
1: Well, what I didn't know and what I know now is that there's one particular mineral that we're now hearing about because of its connection to the immune system that's very, very instrumental with progesterone, and that is zinc. And many of us, and I was one of them, suffered from a lack of zinc and too much copper. Those are two antagonistic minerals. Copper to zinc as well as estrogen to progesterone would be the equivalent in terms of the hormones. I learned because of my own cycle, which was every 23 days, it's normally 28 to 30 days, that when I went into that cycle, I seemed to be much more allergenic, much more histamine responsive. And that if I took additional zinc, if I took additional B6, if I took additional GLA, gamma-linolenic acid, and I reduced my copper intake foods, my allergenic histamine-like responses would decrease and would modify. And I later learned that there was that connection zinc is to progesterone what copper is to estrogen and so if you get that estrogen balance into into balance which is very difficult because there's so many sources of estrogen in the environment the phytoestrogens the xenoestrogens the copper rich foods and so forth you really need to supplement with the added zinc so to me the, the whole answer to all this is to increase zinc and most of us need at least 50 milligrams a day of pure zinc and to reduce the amount of copper in the foods whether that's through eliminating tea eliminating tea eliminating kombucha eliminating soy and eliminating chocolate a lot of these foods that are considered to be superfoods i found to be major triggers with my pms with my perimenopause with my menopause and beyond and including issues with my skin so the copper zinc connection is major and nobody nobody vivian is talking about it which is very disconcerting but i am i am in this <laughs> particular book before the change
0: yeah and i think i've been over the past year doing a lot more research into it as well because a year ago i had no idea about her mineral testing that's something that i've been doing a lot with my clients and it it isn't surprising that the people with the worst PMS and the histamine issues often do have high copper and low zinc, which they would never have suspected. And people crave chocolate the most around the time where it's probably the worst for them. That's the thing.
1: It's so true. And if you take a tissue mineral analysis, which I've been doing for many, many years, because I was a verifiable copperhead, although I didn't know it, I think it's what fueled me to write, you know, 35 books. You can't do it if you're normal. Trust me on that. So I I think what's important for people to recognize is that we're getting a lot of copper, not just from the foods themselves, from the tea that's out there, from the chocolate, from the avocado, the nuts, the seeds, the popularity of the vegan diets that people don't like to hear about, but you're getting it environmentally from all of the copper pipes that are still in in existence. And we're now feeling that there's a connection between the growth of Al- or the exponential growth I should say of alzheimers and a copper burden So measuring your copper zinc balance by people taking advantage of your tissue mineral analysis and hair analysis capabilities is the most important thing anybody can do. It will save their lives later on, it'll save their brains, it'll also rescue their hormones. So I'm so glad you're looking at that because it's a big issue that again, not very many people are discussing, but I think copper is the scourge of our time. Just the way lead was in the fall of the Roman Empire, to me copper is the scourge of 21st century America and the UK.
0: Mm-hmm. And speaking of environmental exposures, I know that you also mentioned EMF and you wrote a book um, about the, ex- the dangers of EMF exposure. Could you just give a little overview as to how that ties into everything?
1: Well, I think it's the tipping point. I'll be very honest with you. I'm not sure that it's EMFs by itself, which can make people ill, but it's the tipping point. And if you have weak adrenals, which you have if you've got too much copper and not enough zinc, if you've got issues with your progesterone, then this will tip you over the edge. Those of us that have a low calcium level, that are hypocalcemia in their blood, and I've been that way for years myself. Have you been that way too?
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm, I'm talking to I
1: know, with twins. <laughs> yeah, absolutely twins. We'll have to meet sometime on some side of the pond. But um, what we've learned is that those of us that have low blood calcium, for whatever underlying reason that might be, are much more EMF sensitive. And so I was one of those individuals. The way that you overcome that is with more magnesium, by lessening your exposure to EMS, particularly cell phones. Um, smart meters, uh, living far from a cell tower if you can, and just using you know normal, normal lifestyle practices to kind of distance yourself. The best thing to do to protect yourself against EMS and to protect your hormones and so on and so forth is to take the magnesium as well as using a lot of rosemary. Of all the things that I've read about rosemary, using rosemary oil, essential oil on your hair, using a rosemary as an herb for cooking, particularly in a marinade, is very EMF protective. That as well as um there's a particular, it's not even an herb, but I can't we can't find it very closely anymore. It's an essential oil called yarrow Y-A-R-R-O-W. It's very protective against the field. And as you can see here, if you can see this, can you see my mm-hmm. necklace?
0: Yeah.
1: That that's Shanghai. So I live on Shanghai. I've got a Shanghai necklace and I've got Shanghai bracelets. So I protect myself as much as I can. I try not to stay near people that are on their phone 24-7. And at night, you must unplug. You unplug at night to make sure that you're actually in a sleeping environment that's very healing and regenerative. So in our house, we don't have a Wi-Fi-enabled modem. Mm -hmm. or router i should say so everything is disabled and everything is wired in the house and i don't use my cell phone as as much as i possibly can unless i have to text you know it's become a way of life so it's very difficult to distance yourself but as long as you're not putting it up to your ear or putting it in your bra or in your back pocket wherever you're putting that cell phone it's, it's theoretically irradiating that part of your body and i think that's why there's so many people that are getting hip replacements because they're all carrying their cell phone in their back pocket
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And I, I'm one who tracks my, my sleep and everything. And I think about six months ago, I started turning off the Wi-Fi at night. Um, my REM sleep, some, where I was dreaming and kind of processing thoughts and emotions and everything, it increased. My heart rate variability increased. Um, but I, I didn't know about the whole calcium connection and how those two herbs or nutrients could help. I always learn something when I'm either reading or listening to something that you're talking about.
1: Well, the interesting thing is that we've discussed, and my good friend Martin Paul actually identifies it, is that there's calcium dysregulation. When you're exposed to EMFs, there's calcium that becomes dysregulated within the cell itself. So in that case, you're losing calcium. And in order to stabilize it, you need more magnesium, or in some cases you need more calcium, which is not a very popular stance. I personally take extra calcium to make sure that my blood calcium is, is at least beyond on the low side at this stage of, stage of my life. So that's a very important aspect to, to really begin to, to implement. But the other things that I think people should do are grounding. Are you familiar with Mm -hmm. earthing and the concept of grounding? So at night I wear an earthing band, a grounding band, and I sleep very well. I get up at about three or four, which I can't seem to overcome these days, but that's because I've just finished a book, so my mind is on the book and what what I missed writing about in the book. But I think that's pretty good. In other words, you can fall asleep, but sometimes you can't maintain sleep. So I try to take a little extra magnesium, I believe you need at least five milligrams per pound of body weight. And I think for sleep, a little extra GABA is important. I kind of am have a very overactive mind, and so a little extra GABA is very important. And you gotta do whatever it takes. You know, there's not one program that fits for everybody. You just have to know what your particular triggers are and you gotta just work around them and it and it takes time. It takes time and patience and it's a lifestyle i'd say it's a lifestyle modification that really that really starts to go on you're constantly mm-hmm. working on yourself and as you get older things can shift and things can change
0: absolutely and i'll have to say we're a little bit different in the fact that i'm fast asleep at 3 a.m
1: <laughs> oh then i can't call you at 3 a.m
0: <laughs> unfortunately not i'm not functioning not functioning until about seven <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyway
1: I'm, I'm, an early, I'm an early riser i don't know what that exactly means but you know something i've been copper toxic most of my life and they say that when there's copper toxicity and i know we're talking about a large gland gamut of subjects there's usually underlying mercury there's a new test and i don't know if it's available in the uk but you should take a few notes about this it's called the oligo scan where they can scan your palm with a particular kind of light technology, Oligo, O-L-I-G-O scan. Interesting. I've had, I've had many of my clients where they've had hard-to-diagnose underlying issues that, that I've kind of come to a little bit of a, a stop with, a stopgap. And many of them are still stockpiling mercury. It's the most toxic metal I'm finding. They're mercury, cadmium nickel and very very low interestingly enough in iodine i'm seeing real low levels of iodine boron lithium magnesium of course as we know and there's one more that was very surprising to me potassium Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i see all of those low in pretty much everyone and with the calcium it's either like very high or very depleted i I never see it like a normal range a lot of the time um, but I'm interested to look into the oligol scan. What what type of things would you look at through that? Is that the nutrients that you just mentioned?
1: It tests for heavy metals, including nickel. Uh, it, it includes all the basic heavy metals, uh, and then the
0: minerals. Okay. Do you prefer that over something like a HTMA?
1: I like both because this gets to the this gets to the intracellular metals and the intracellular Mm. minerals and a lot of times if you have difficulty in excreting heavy metals or if you've got an mthfr variant it's not going to come out in the hair because you can't excrete properly you need to take some sort of challenge this gets right to the point without any fanfare in five minutes so you get scanned with your little palm it's painless it's non-invasive and in five minutes you get a readout it was extraordinarily helpful to me because there's one that had nine mercury filmings and thought I was doing everything right and just didn't eat a lot of fish occasionally some seafood here and there I'm still mercury toxic
0: mm, well yeah well that seems great because there's the people who are Um, really depleted and they have a slow oxidation rate on the htma so a slow metabolism and a lot of the times on the first few tests the minerals um the metals come back really low and then we do a retest and then all of a sudden they're like through the roof in mercury and it's not that they've just become exposed it's that they're detoxing them
1: exactly they've been sequestered for so long and now the body has the ability and the minerals to be able to release them mm-hmm. but the point being is that a lot of people just do a one or two time test and say i'm, I'm clean and then they don't look any yeah. further but this can get right to the bottom of things within five minutes so i highly suggest that mm-hmm. you take a look definitely
0: at it. will do thank you for that and speaking of heavy metals and um how is how are they connected to the thyroid and also hormones just overall with this being the hormones in harmony podcast? podcasts, how do these things affect our, our bodies?
1: Um, every every heavy metal affects the hormones I would say and it certainly affects the thyroid which can certainly take a hit during perimenopause and beyond so I would say more so than heavy metals I'd look for chemicals if we may discuss that for a bit mm-hmm. and I think the ones that are most toxic would be your fluoride which can also calcify the pineal gland so you've got your fluoride and your chlorine and there are a lot of sources of hidden fluoride that people don't recognize I'm not a big believer in drinking tons and tons of green tea or white tea or black tea it's a hidden source of fluoride because tea is a the tea plant is a bioaccumulator of heavy metals I'm also not a fan Vivian of kombucha because it's a very high source of ready ready to ready to use fluoride yeah. so those are the kinds of things I don't like I don't like the chlorine that you may be getting in the water supply I don't like the bromide that you could be getting in some soft drink so that would be number one but we also suffer not just from the toxicity of the of the chemicals but we suffer from an iodine deficiency because everybody that i test is 100 is percent not 90 percent but 100 iodine deficient and the more iodine that you take to make up for the deficiency the more your body starts to throw out all the chemicals so you have to do this very slowly so i'm a big believer in using the lugo solution the two percent lugo solution maybe two to five and you can go up to ten drops a day I like sometimes the iodorol, which is a pill form. And I'm a big believer in taking some kind of very good iodized salt. So iodine is here to stay, but a little bit goes a long way. So I think Mm -hmm. that heavy metals has a lot to do with everything, including copper, which of course is a misbehaving mineral. So the copper can get away and of course the mercury. So it all impacts. So I guess when we're in a perimenopausal stage and the hormones start to get unbalanced and they're not in the kind of harmony that we would like, you have to start looking at all these things. You have to make sure that your teeth are cleaned, that they're purified, that you're not harboring any heavy metals in the form of a mercury amalgams, which is not just a mercury but also a copper amalgam. So you've got the copper, the mercury, the gold, you've got all these divergent metals. You've got to make sure that you don't have any wisdom teeth cavitations, those little holes in the jaw that really can affect focal points of bacteria. And you have to just make sure that you've got no root canal teeth because this is a time when we become like toxic waste dumps. So all that is clean up time. And then the, the first 50 years, the first 40 to 50 years, you know, you start, you can become toxic. And then after that, you just have to clean up. It's just part of living. And the longer we live, the more toxic we are, because the more we're exposed to the environment. It's an increasingly toxic environment. So you have to adapt. Lifestyle practices, you got to look at your teeth, you got to do hormone tests with your thyroid and take salivary hormone tests, tissue mineral analysis. All of that is important on a yearly basis or perhaps twice a year.
0: Yeah, it's like a health mlt I've just done like a whole bunch of tests on myself, even though there's not really much going on at the moment. I feel pretty good. I still like to do my Dutch test for hormones, my mineral test, my thyroid, my stool test, just to cover all my bases and. It might be a little bit of an investment temporarily, but long term, I'm going to be saving so much money and just keeping my health optimal.
1: Oh, and I recognize and I acknowledge you for that because seeing is believing. You need a baseline. You have to know what you're up against. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. My, so it's very, very important. I mean, I, if I were to change anything when I was growing up, it would be that I changed my eating habits. I was a sugar eater until I got all these mercury fillings.
0: All right. okay.
1: So I, I think that looking at your mouth is kind of the oral cavity that's so important for the as the gateway of so many things that come into your body is incredibly important especially as we get older
0: yeah and you think if you've got some sort of dysbiosis or infection in your mouth and you're swallowing liters of saliva every single day it it can't be ignored and it's like the top-down approach to digestion everyone's focusing on clearing SIBO and parasites but if you've got some sort no. of
1: up or um, pathogen, go, yeah. Start from the you top. You gotta down. go upstream. Yeah. I I say go upstream. Mm-hmm. So you gotta get to it. Do you have biological dentists in the Yeah, area? a few.
0: They're like few and far between. Majority of them are based in London, but yes, we do have them.
1: Extraordinarily important. I mean that really changed my life with the because I, I had nine mercury fillings and then I had braces with the high nickel and all kinds of things. I mean I did everything wrong. Everything I'm writing about now I've been through. <laughs> So the point being is that you get to be a certain age and you have to take care of business because because the, the, what is that? What comes home to roost? The roosters come home to roost? There's an expression. (laughs) Whatever whatever it is, you reap the karma. It's karma. Hmm. The point being is whatever you sow, you start to reap at a certain age. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very important.
0: Well, I'm That's interested t- in your your diet philosophy because obviously you're doing something right and I can only imagine how many fads and trends you've seen come and go over the years. Is there anything that you just feel is beneficial for everyone to know? Because obviously everyone's a little bit different in terms of what they tolerate, like us with the histamine issues, that may not be a problem for everyone. Um, but is there like some general rules you have around nutrition?
1: Yeah, I've become a lot more... Um a lot more moderate in my diet i'm not a big believer in any and i've written diet books so i'm speaking from my own experience and watching thousands and thousands of people on these particular diets i think you need the right kind of fats you've got to welcome the good omega-6s i'm a big believer in hemp seed oil i love pine nut oil to clear up the digestive tract especially good for GERD and leaky gut syndrome and h pylori I'm a big believer in flaxseed oil for an essential oil. I'm not a big believer in a lot of coconut oil or MCT oil for the majority of people because of genetic variations. And many of us ancestrally just didn't grow up on those oils, but I'm loving olive oil. I think if everybody just took olive oil, it would be much healthier body, mind and spirit. So I'm loving the oils. I think you can overdo it. I'm not a big believer in the ketogenic diet for the whole world because a lot of people don't have the ability to metabolize fats because they don't have a gallbladder. So where's all that fat going? So that's number two. And then number three, I think you need moderate amounts of seed-like grains. I'm not a big believer in going completely carbohydrate-free. That is I was one of the first that wrote about low-carbohydrate diets in 1988. So I'm gonna say that if you're gonna do any grains at all, get to love millet, which is a seed-like grain, a little bit of sorghum, and if you're gonna do rice at all, do a little bit of basmati rice. They're low in lectins, very high in the ability to Enhance and soothe the digestion, and very good for many people that are allergic to other types of grains. So, moderation is the key, the right oils is the way to go. A little bit of grain for the carbohydrates. I love lean proteins. I don't think everybody is designed to be a vegan or a, a carnivore, but a little balance is really where it's at. And I do think to some degree, if you have an autoimmune issues, you have to pay attention to your blood type.
0: Mm, interesting. I want to talk a little bit, just touching on that a little bit, because I haven't had any. Of my guests mentioned the blood type diet. Um, I knew I know that that was a big um, kind of trend a few years back. Um, I forgot the name of the guy who wrote the book, but could you just give it like an overview? For example, I'm an A positive blood type. I knew and I, I, I
1: knew I knew that. I right? Knew that. Okay.
0: <laughs> are you are you also the same?
1: No. Oh. I'm not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm much more esoteric. Um, <laughs> I wrote a book in 1996 called Your Body Knows Best, and so I interviewed that, that guy. You're talking about Dr. Diadamo. Yes. So the idea is this, um, is that different blood types have different personality traits, and, and actually it was the Japanese that did a lot of the research initially. Uh, and for those that are A blood types, you generally have issues with digestion. Because people that are A blood types, we we found clinically are more achlorhydric. So you don't secrete enough hydrochloric acid. So taking a natural hydrochloric acid substance would be very helpful for you. Making sure that you don't get a lot of sugar because you're very sensitive to sugar, yeast, and mold. That's a no-no for you. Gentle exercises. Yoga would be good for you. Pilates would be good for you. And don't overthink. A's are very analytical. They analyze every little every little jot and tittle (laughs) so they're they're the a's i love a's because i know and uh, And uh,
0: i'll just make the note that i didn't tell you any of that but all of that was true
1: (laughs) okay so i mean there's something to be said for this and so i always check and see what people's blood type is because i use that as 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 a moderate modifier of diet and lifestyle the o's are more aggressive uh they they need heavy duty exercise exercise for an o is more important than even eating properly. And I never thought I'd ever say that, but I've just done enough studying and looking. I know that that's true. They can become a little arthritic, so we don't like to give them a lot of nightshade vegetables. Maybe reduce the ashwagandha, because that's also a nightshade herb. And the O's are usually the captain of industries. You're the analyst. I, on the other hand, am bee <laughs> B. B positive, to be exact. And uh, we're we think outside the box. we have a little pioneering spirit. we're very we we border on the uh, the eccentric, and our need a balance of of a little bit of protein, a little bit of fat, a little bit of carbohydrates you can generally tolerate dairy more than most, and then the a B's are a combination of the A and the B, and they're the master planners and mm-hmm. very unusual souls. so it's it's a very it's a very fun thing because every time I figure out somebody's blood type or I usually when I do an analysis on my clients and I work with clients all over the the world at this point one of my questions is what is your blood type and Vivian most people do not know their blood type and I really think it's essential to kind of know that okay
0: I'm I'm also the the self data I want to know everything so that's surprising that people don't know that but that may be become one of my questions on the questioner
1: <laughs> and then you'll see the trends i'm seeing. yes <laughs> Very interesting.
0: that's fascinating i must admit i was a little bit skeptical at first when i first heard about it but you just listing off all of those traits i think i'm sold <laughs> good i'm glad <laughs> and i, I want to touch a little bit more in depth on the your perspective on the healthy fats because you promoting the omega-6 rich rich fats and saying how saturated fats may not be the best for everyone is really counterintuitive to what is currently trending right now there's a lot of promotion of coconut oil everything and being fearful of polyunsaturated fatty acids or poofers and seeds and nuts and all of these things so how have you come to the conclusion that these are beneficial for us
1: well, because we know biochemically that structurally the mitochondria and your cell walls need the omega-6 fats. Now, any fat that's polyunsaturated, with it's omega-6 or omega-3, if it's exposed to air, heat, heat and light and a lot of chemicals, it's going to be toxic. It doesn't have to be omega-6. It could be omega-3. So you want raw, cold-pressed, unheated. You want oils that do not have a lot of hexane, that are not chemicalized, and having that in moderation, it's actually more, it's not even in moderation, it's a ratio of four to one. The ratio is four to one omega-6 to omega-3. Those are considered essential fats. You need them for your immune system, you need them for your skin, your hair, your nails, your cardiovascular system, your nervous system. The other fats are more stable, generally speaking, but they're not considered essential. So this whole rigmarole thing with coconut oil is just not good for everyone, and there's certain people genetically that have certain genes that can't metabolize saturated fats, and coconut oil, MCT oil, are considered saturated. So I say enjoy them, but in moderation, not to the exclusion of these other fats. I'm a big believer in nuts and seeds. Hemp seed oil is magnificent for radiation. It's anti-radiation and very good for for the, the skin. And remember, the skin and we began our discussion about my involvement in nutrition it was all based on my skin so I'm always looking out for the skin and the biggest difference I've ever seen with people is when they take two tablespoons of hemp seed oil a day which is now in every health food store at least in our country and there there goes the eczema there goes the psoriasis and all these little dermatitis so it's very very important to soothe the system it's also a food for the fuel for the mitochondria and it's very deficient i do omega testing you're big on testing i do omega testing everybody's deficient with these particular linoleic acid so i'm a big believer in that use whatever else you want but make sure you include that as well maybe in a smoothie in the morning
0: yeah definitely i used to do that but i didn't notice a huge difference in my skin because i had like a million other issues going on simultaneously so now that i'm I've worked on all of those things I think I will notice a better difference with the like some additional hemp seed oil in the morning but if I had like a chronic parasite overgrowth and SIBO and mold and all of that I wasn't going to notice a difference I don't think. <laughs>
1: no well, you you may if you, you you need the HCL you see you need the hydrochloric acid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well I've and currently got
0: H. pylori to- on my stool test so I'm going to have to eradicate that. Um, so Christopher,
1: so here, no, no. So here's what you do. Here's what you do. Speaking to an A positive blood type. <laughs> what we do is we take, we get some Siberian pine nut oil. You can get it online, and that's what you take for the SIBO. That's what you take for the H pylori. It's magnificent to clean up the intestines, the gut, the small intestine, the large intestine, the stomach. It's three teaspoons, one teaspoon, twenty minutes for four meals, three times a day. I would use the pine nut oil. It's it's miraculous. It's a high source of what they call pinoleic acid. It's kind of a GLA, a gamma linoleic acid derivative and very, very healing for the mitochondria. That's what you need. You'll Amazing. be thankful that we do. Yeah, well, it works.
0: Yeah, I'm going to do... gonna follow your advice. If it's coming from you, I'm going to do it.
1: <laughs> well, I know that it works because I write about these things. We get tons and tons of reports, but I I do the research. These are kind of esoteric uh remedies but they work and they're natural so siberian pine nut oil to the rescue
0: i'll give it a try and you mentioned earlier about people eating all of these fats but they don't actually absorb them um, because of sluggish bile flow and gallbladder congestion and I know in your book, Radical Metabolism, that was like the whole focus is on the gallbladder and how that is involved. So could you teach us a little bit more about why the gallbladder is so crucial to our health?
1: Well, because the gallbladder is the release mechanism for bile, which is made in the liver. And if the bile is not stored there properly, or if it's too congested, if it's too viscous, if it's too thick because it hasn't been thinned down with lecithin or choline, then we have a problem. And those are two nutrients that are very deficient in the diet. So I'm a big believer in choline. If you've got fatty liver, and the best thing in the world is choline at 500 milligrams three times a day. It'll get rid of it in six weeks. And a little bit of lecithin. Years ago, and I'm old enough to know this, you may not be, but years ago in the 70s, they had big diet programs out that always used lecithin and apple cider vinegar. And people not only lost weight, but many people that were supposed to go in for gallbladder surgery were not able to, didn't have to do that. And that's because it's very thinning of the bile, and it's very helpful for bile stones and gallbladder stones so back to lecithin it's a thinner of the of the gallbladder and a lot of us are not eating enough foods that contain natural lecithin it's contained in unfermented soy or i should say it's contained in non-gmo soy it's contained in in, uh, sunflower seed lecithin but people are omitting to take it these days if you start taking it you'll see a difference in your ability to metabolize fats number one your LDLs will go down, number two. And if you're breastfeeding and you have congestion in the um in the nipples, what do they call that where there's congestion? People get a lot of um they get a lot of infections. This kind of reduces the infection. Mm-hmm. For for it's women like a clogged are, milk duct. It's clogged milk ducts. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the best thing that opens up the clogged milk ducts. That's when I that's where I first heard about it. So my point being is if it's good for those ducts, it's good for the bile ducts as well. And two tablespoons a day, you pop it in the smoothie. I do all that every day. Mm -hmm. Very, very important. And look at all the people that are getting their gallbladder removed. It's the most popular surgery in this country. So you got to get rid of the stones. you got to metabolize the stones. You can't have a lot of things that are heavy-duty fats. You've got to get a little lipase, a little choline, a little lecithin. And then maybe a little bit of beetroot, which is also very good to metabolize stones. There's also so many things that you need to do. And we're not eating foods that are bitter, which are extremely important. So my whole book, Radical Metabolism, which is the latest book that I wrote, is all about making bitter better once again. And that's where arugula comes in handy. And watercress, I hope you have a lot of watercress over there. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and arugula is rocket for those who are like, what is that in the UK? (laughs) We have a different (laughs) name.
1: No, I love it. I love rocket salad. I love it. And and the watercress is one of the highest vegetables and phytonutrients. It's very protective against cancer, but it's also very good for its its source of some of these bitter elements. So bitter is better. We got to put that back on the diet. We need need a little bit of the uh, lecithin. We need more choline. That's where eggs come in handy if you can tolerate them. But people that have fatty liver disease do extremely well, and I'll say it again, with five milligrams of choline three times a day. It's almost magical in terms of getting rid of fatty liver disease. So there's a lot of nutrients that we can be using because they do double duty,
0: so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great tip. And I think one of the reasons that people are so addicted to coffee is because of that lack of bitterness in the diet overall. It's like one of the chocolate and coffee is like the only bitters that we're getting in the Western world.
1: Yeah, and if it's organic, mold free, it's a really good source of the polyphenols as well. It'll help you lose weight. It's a very good element. So, yes, bring on the coffee. You know, that was one of the most surprising things when I wrote my book because I've never been a big believer in coffee. And then I learned that the right kind of coffee is actually healing for the gallbladder, healing for the liver, and protects against colon cancer. I mean, who knew?
0: People are going to love you for that, recommending coffee. <laughs> well,
1: at least one cup a day keeps the doctor away. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about coffee enemas? So not drinking it orally, but but in in putting it the other way.
1: Oh, yes. I'm a big believer. Mm -hmm.
0: Me too. They've been a a game changer in my health history. Um, Just for the kind of thinning the bile and making your body produce healthier, more thin bile, they've made a huge difference. So I personally did them like three times a week at one point. I don't need to do them as consistently now. But yeah, they're one of my favorite tools.
1: It's one of the biggest tools for to fighting cancer.
0: Yep. And that's why they use them in the Gerson therapy clinics as well.
1: And the Gonzalez program. And what is that?
0: Oh, My, another, yeah. Is it Nicholas
1: Gonzalez? The, the late Nicholas Gonzalez. And his work has been taken over by Dr. Linda Isaacs. Yes. Very, very important. So these are important. Listen, if, if, if this can help treat cancer, can you imagine what it can do for other diseases?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. That's like a very extreme case of inflammation. So you don't need to do what is it like six or seven? They do it every single day. You don't need to do anywhere near that amount.
1: No, 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 no. Once a week for
0: many people is quite enough. Agreed. And as we're coming to the end of the conversation now, I wanted to ask about some of your like top success stories or what are like the most important things you want everyone to know after your many years in nutrition. (laughs)
1: well that's a that's a big one um the first thing that comes to mind top success stories was when i was on the road it was with one of my books called the fat flush plan which was a big selling book and um I saw a gentleman standing up and he was giving a testimonial. He was off of all his diabetes medication. He was taking insulin and then he was on the oral medications. And he was doing my crayon water program for about three weeks and he got off of everything quickly. His blood sugar came down, no more insulin, no more. It was just amazing. So that would be number one, because I didn't think a lot of men actually read that book, but we have a lot of men that did the fat flesh plan and did better than women. So that would be number one, the, the, the diabetes uh, story. And then, of course, his diabetologist was also in the audience, and he stood up and gave a testimonial. So that probably would be number one. Then number two was on the road. It was when I was on, you know, those were the days before the internet. We were doing Zoom videos and so forth. We didn't do that then. I was in on the road doing health food stores and bookstores and television and radio. Another one was when I was in one of the health food stores and a gal said, you know, she was she was wheelchair bound. And she said to me, I got to use something that will get rid of this excess fat. What do you know can help me because I can't do a lot of exercise. I said, we got to try something. So she did my CLA, conjugated linoleic acid. Have you heard of it?
0: Yeah, is that what's found in, is it like either meat Products or dairy products?
1: It's in dairy products, yeah. it's in meat and it's in it's in cream, but it's not in a lot of things that are not organically raised or grass fed and this, that, and the other. So I said if three thousand MGs a day is good for people that are actually exercising, let's try six thousand on you. And I came back to the same health food store a week later and she had lost two inches. Wow. That was using the right kind of fat, so I think that's number two. And the number three is people that don't have a gallbladder, because we touched a little bit on that. We created a product called BioBuilder, which has the choline, it's got lipase, it's got... I think it's got taurine in it and it's got all kinds of elements that are very good for thinning, decongesting the bile and making it flow freely. And people have just regained their health, they've lost weight immensely. And the most important thing that's happened since I've been taking BioBuilder is that they're now regular. People that have suffered from terrible constipation have found that this bioregulating substance that's supporting what they're no longer producing is actually lubricating to the gut and they're now eliminating on a daily basis and it's been life changing for those people. So those are just the first three Mm -hmm. that come to mind. I'm sure there are many more. And of course, the EMF book was the biggie and people who are now less EMF sensitive and have identified that it's the router on the other side of the wall that's in it that has prevented them from sleeping through the night. Yeah. So you've got to be a detective. Vivian, the, the bottom line with all of this, because I've written 35 books, is you have to be a detective. You have to look in your own lifestyle and figure out what it might be that's your individual trigger. Knowing your testing that you do, knowing your blood type number two, making sure you have the right kind of fats, all that is important. So it's body, mind, and spirit.
0: And I've always been into. I actually wanted to be like a forensic detective before I knew about nutrition. Then when I found like the functional medicine world, I was like, "Oh my god, this is exactly what I'm meant to do." So I've always had that um, investigative personality.
1: You're not a Virgo, are you?
0: Yes. (laughs) Oh. Oh boy. It was my birthday four days ago.
1: happy birth what day was your birthday
0: it was sunday which was the 20th
1: 20th of september happy happy belated thank birthday. you
0: thank you 26 years old
1: oh my god god bless you
0: do you have like intuitive uh, like traits or gifts yes yeah i can tell <laughs> and what sign are you cancer okay so you're very loving, family-oriented.
1: Oh. I, I, I you That's probably have some
0: Virgo in your chart.
1: I have a Virgo rising. It's my rising. Okay.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. I knew we were similar.
1: Very good. Well, this is love. What fun.
0: I know. I just wanted to ask with your your book. I know you updated it recently um so it was the 2004 book and new york new york times bestseller i know you've had a few of them so congratulations on that Um, beyond the change which you showed us and mentioned earlier why was it that you actually updated that recently
1: well, because there's new information about hormone replacement therapy, the importance of bioidentical hormones, the importance of the hypothyroidism, which has now exploded with, among perimenopausal women, and the use of soy, whether that's pro or con when it comes to hormones. So there was a lot of updating I felt people needed to know. And of course, this copper, zinc imbalance, I think, is importantly crucial to today's people that are interested in the immune system. So thankfully all that is in the new book. It's a nice little before the change book. And I think it's good for women before, between, after, and post the change. I think it's important because it's a lifestyle book. And it talks about everything you and I have chatted about to some degree in the book.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, even people listening in their twenties, I always say like it's never too early to start prepping for pregnancy and menopause and older years because some of the diseases that we get in later life, that influenced by things 20, 30 years before.
1: They are, if they'd only listen. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> well,
0: my audience is obviously into all of this. So I, I know that they're going to love you and want to find more from you. So could you tell us like your website and where they could grab um, one or all of your books?
1: Yes, annlouise.com, A-N-N-L-O-U-I-S-E.com. All the books are there. The diet plans are there. Our podcasts are there, which are very, very interesting. I think people are really going to get a kick out of that and then of course all of our blog articles so everybody is welcome we'd love them to join our list and we're very excited to have been with you today it's been an absolute pleasure
0: no it's been my honor you've been absolutely amazing thank you so much for coming on all of your details will be linked in the show notes for everyone to get easy access to and thanks again for all of your hard work and all of the resources that you've provided with the nutrition world and helping practitioners like me kind of expand my knowledge Um, and hopefully you keep producing more books.
1: (laughs) God willing, thank
0: you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you would love a free copy of my hormone friendly recipes guide, please leave me a rating and review and I will email you a copy as a thank you gift. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review and send it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. This guide contains delicious gluten, dairy, grain and refined sugar-free recipes and all the meals contain specific hormone superfoods don't worry there are no boring salad recipes included come and say hi over on instagram at viva natural health as i share a ton of free content every day and you can get to know more about me and how i stay hormonally healthy if you haven't already check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk for my blog and many free guides which cover everything from clearing acne to gut health and hair loss if you're ready to identify and address the root causes of your hormonal issues, whether that's acne, PMS, PCOS, her loss or problematic periods, take that first step today and apply for an enrolment call on my website. We'll use this call to discuss the steps that you need to take in order to achieve hormonal harmony and how I could help you get there. See you back here next week for another episode.